podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. There's no God-given right to get in our first team. It's it's a tough point to achieve in your in your career. But the manager I know for sure will give opportunity as and when the time's right. We need to produce our own players. So with Ange doing a great a great job on the first team, and we we've got to we've got to try and help him by you know doing what everybody at the club, the fans especially, want. Every club in the country wants to see one of their own. Hi everyone, here we are for another episode of Off The Shelf with me, Michael Dawson, and my man, Paul Miles. How are you, mate? All good, thank you very much, Dawes, and uh, we've got a, a fascinating person with us this, this afternoon. Um, I'm, yeah, very interesting to hear what he's doing at the club, um, because he, he's, he's in one of the most important, and you'll know better than me, he's in one of the most important positions at a football club, especially someone like Spurs, who want to bring players through the academy. So we are talking to the academy director and I'll let you introduce him. It is Simon Davis. Thank you very much for joining us and taking Thank the you. time out of your busy schedule. Yeah, yeah, always lots going on, but uh, no, great to, to see you guys and uh, share some experiences. Let's go all the way back and, um, you know, tell us that when you were a kid growing up, we often hear about most of the people we talk to, most of the footballers we talk to on this podcast grew up just playing football. That was all they did, playing football, playing football. Are you in that category? Absolutely. I, I kind of, um, growing up in the Cheshire area, um, so, you know, sleepy areas to play football. And I was on Man City's books for, for a long time. Um, supposed to sign for Man City actually as a 14-year-old. And a week before my 14th birthday, I, for the, one of the first times I played, we played Salford in a, in a game down the road. And... Um, one of the scouts asked my dad, you know, can you come for a trial in, uh, in the summer break? And he says, no, he's signed for Man City on, uh, on next Saturday. And um, so the, I was coming home from school on the Monday, actually, and I uh, remember this quite, even though I'm nearly 50 now, I can remember it quite vividly. And, uh, um, and, they came, and uh, my mum was, said, come on, we're going to Man United for a trial on the Monday night. On the Monday night, I did okay in the game. You know, I'm more lucky than, than good, maybe. And on the Tuesday night, Fergie came around my house and... That were it, changed the direction just within... I can imagine he was quite persuasive. Well, my dad was a United fan as well, so... Um, so we so didn't take much persuasion then. Didn't, 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 didn't really. Didn't I think really. as soon as he opened the door, that was that, wasn't it? Yeah, he was. But that, 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 that was the type of thing that, you know, he did extra at the time. You know, he had a big belief in, in all the young players. And um, obviously he had a job to do at first team level. And, and it was a huge job at a, at a huge club like this is. And... Um, but he took time out to, you know, to he, had a, he obviously had a good group coming through, and he, you know, it didn't take much to see that. But uh, yeah, he invested in his in his youth as well as the first team. Well, you were part of that class of '92, which I think everyone everyone knows about, um, winning the the FA Youth Cup, yeah. and some of the players that were in there. Let's just talk about a few of them. David Beckham, yeah, Ricky Butt. Um, I mean, you you speak about them as as teammates and and winning that FA Youth Cup. Yeah, I suppose because when you just like the, the scholars we have here, it's like they're just friends, you know. They're, they're, well, they're, they're competing against each other as well as being friends, you know. And it's that transitional point where football is just fun. And now it's fun because it's the greatest job in the world. But also it's, you know, the prize is so big, it's very competitive. So I suppose when we were growing up together, you didn't really um, know them as the superstars that they are. They were just your teammates at the time and we'd all just left school and come from our different areas. But... Yeah, it was such a such a competitive environment. We had a, a youth team coach who was very tough on us. Um, 
but it worked. It worked. His methods um, with majority um, was always one or two. Probably needed a bit more love, and but he had his ways, and and it worked with majority. You know, and um, they all they all came through that system and went on to do all the things we know that they've they've achieved. And uh, considering it's one one youth team, it was um, it was very productive and. As, you know, they've, they've been in some tough arenas and produced high performance and, and won a lot of things. Sam, let's just touch on who, who they were. So we've got Beckham, Scholes, Giggs, but Gillespie. The Nevilles. The Nevilles. Um, yeah, so in the youth team at the time, we had a keeper who told you, you may or may not about, there's a lad called Kevin Pilkington in goal. Yeah. We had a lad called John O'Kane who went on to do Everton. Um, um, from there, but he, he wouldn't be the one you know. A lad called Chris Casper. There was a good lad on the yeah. left wing called Ben Thornley. Yeah. It was very good, um, but unfortunately, with Casper and um, and Ben Thornley, they both had terrible injuries that that, that halted their uh, development. Um, but uh, yeah, and then and then you had Gary Neville in there. You had Beckham. You had, yeah, Giggs, um, Skulls. You mentioned Skulls, but he wasn't around it when we won um, because. Um, he struggled with a bit of asthma, I believe, when he first left school, and um, he just literally came back as a second-year scholar and took the world by storm after that type of thing. Uh, but in terms of that, that year itself, he wasn't so much involved in it. Um, but, like, Savage as well was in there, um, so Savage was in that team. Um, yeah, it's just, a, just a, a hugely talented group with um, good standards driven by the coach and the club and himself. Obviously, everything dripped down from... Mr. Ferguson, and uh, it was all the way through the club, just those standards. And you didn't realise until you left actually what, you were, what you'd learned during that period, I suppose, because it was just you were living it every day. Was that a freak of a year, Simon? Now, now you're doing that as a job, trying to develop young players and trying to make these into the superstars that you've just talked about there. Is that a freak that you had so many unbelievable players? It, it is, yeah, because, you know, just for all them in one group, I mean, I know that in the past, you've got the likes of West Ham, who've had a good group with the Carricks and Joe yeah. Coles and things like that, but you might talk about two or three. I mean, in, in this group, even myself, that was probably only played 18, 20 times for the first team, so probably more a reserve team player and on the fringe, of course. But them lads who all came through, I mean, they, they, they all went and won the treble in 99. I mean, Scary. like, it must have been about five or six players from a youth team yeah. winning a treble. Yeah. I mean, it's just unprecedented, really. Unheard of. I mean, I mean... As you mentioned there, though, Simon, you you played 20, 20 times for United in in that time. In that time when they were laying the foundations to becoming what they are again today. I mean, they they won the first Premier League, didn't they? United yeah. two and three, yeah. and then just went on and and you were part of that. I mean, I remember you scored a goal, Galatasaray. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm living on that. So there's only yeah. one goal. You don't have to do much research <laughs> but, to get to that, but, did you? But you were part of that, though. So basically, what I'm saying is, that's something to be proud of, isn't it? It is. It was just, to be quite honest, with all the other roles I've done in my career, more coaching than, than football, because I probably underachieved with my football, if I'm honest. Well, no, I definitely did underachieve with my football. So it did kick you on to, when you go to a coaching arena, you, you've learned from those people. You always learn off, 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 off all the coaches you have, whether it's something positive or something maybe that you wouldn't do. You always learn off, off everybody that you, you rub shoulders with type of thing. And... Um, yeah, I learned a lot from from that arena about more about if we, if we talk about coaching and, and the personality part, I would say my time at United, you'd learn how to be a, a good person. You know, you learn about respect and and timekeeping and putting the team in front of yourself. Um, you learn all that without even 
knowing you were being taught that, it was being, you know, drilled into you every day by all the staff. There wasn't one member of staff who didn't have those belief and belief, sorry, and, and that culture was just it was just ingrained. It was just ingrained. You had a long career in the football league, but I'm interested what was it like to step away, step out of that, to, to leave United? Yeah, it was it was it was tough, but it, I've got to be honest, from the day I joined to the day I left, I was there from 14 to 23, so you're kind of like nine years there. So, you know, you had every opportunity, though. It was fair. You know, everything about the club was, they give you the, you know, the tools to do your job. They give you opportunity. Um, and then when you weren't, I was probably of the level, but not consistently of the level. And that was probably the best way to, to appraise it. So, he had no qualms, and even on when you leave, he was, you know, the manager would always, you know, I, the next manager I went to was Lenny Lawrence, and, you know, the, the manager, I remember Lenny Lawrence talking to me and said, like, we can talk about the deal, but it won't be very long because Mr Ferguson's already kind of sorted most of it. So even when you were leaving, he would look after you. So the whole package about being around that football club was, was just, I was very fortunate just to be just to be part of it at that time in particular, but just, just being part of that football club is... Um, it was special. In, as I say, in many ways, did it almost make it tough for you, though, in the in the in the football league? Because I'm guessing, like pros would say, yeah, he's you know he's part of that, and, and sort of yeah, dished it out to you a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But you you kind of you, you take that. You you know everyone gives you a stick in football. You, you can't please everybody, you know. And and everyone's got an opinion in football, and you've got to respect everyone's opinion. You've got to listen to it, but you have to respect it, um, you know. And I, you know, I just found it, I think when you go down the levels, there were certain things that you got used to or you tried to get used to. Sometimes when you go from a big club, like like we're sat here at Tottenham, one of the biggest clubs in Europe. So, you know, with that, when you, if you were to leave that type of environment, the, the you know, respect, respect, respectfully, sorry, the, the players are not of that level and you're not far off the, the level that you just left. So you kind of have to adapt yeah. quickly, I would say. And it's probably something I failed to do, um, but I didn't have the support either, but it was definitely down to me. But, you know, with the support that clubs have now with player care even and, yeah. and the psychology and, and that provision wasn't really about, you had to kind of figure it out yourself. And um, some players were good at that and some players maybe struggled at that. And maybe I was one of those when, definitely when I left, to, to adapt to a different environment and a different level of club and different standards. Yeah. And... Um, I think there's more support at all the football clubs to, to deal with that these days. Simon, can I just ask, uh, and for me, thinking you were in that class of 92, I came up through the ranks through Forest, I played in the FA Youth Cup. You had a group there. Who was the best player? And do you speak to the, the younger players in, in the dressing room over there and say, well, I'm going to answer the first question. Who was the best player in, in your, um, in of your all team? The, of all the players that were in that level at the time, I would say Keith Gillespie. Right, so, so you've answered that. See, Keith didn't go on to do what, obviously, the Nevilles and no. Beckham did and Skulls and, and, and what have you. So what do you say to the kids over there? Because I always, if I speak to the younger lads, I'll say, look, you might be the best player today under 14s, but come under 16, you might be the best player. You can change people's opinion and you can keep working hard. Yeah. Well, to be quite honest, you know, it's tough being with all the, all the things that football offers you as well. It's a, it's a dangerous you know, place to be as well, or the rewards are high. Um, you've got to keep those standards as, as best you can. And there is people pulling you from different angles, whether it be people who, 
you know, you got even the agents who are all support to a point, but there's so many people that want a piece of you. So it is difficult. It's not easy. It's you know, for for people, if you like, from the street looking at a footballer, they'll go, they've got everything, but they don't see the pitfalls as well. Um, so it's trying to you know educate and get them ready for, firstly, how difficult it is to make it as a footballer, and then secondly, once you've got that shirt, how difficult it is, and you'll know that more than more than anyone is how difficult it is to keep hold of that shirt. So it's arriving, but then staying. Yeah. And those things are, are difficult because there's that many sacrifices that people have to make. And a lot of the time with the sacrifices, there's not always guarantees with that. Things that you have to, you, you know, you have to put your, your family second, um, your friends second, the, the way you eat, the way you drink, the way you sleep. All those things that, you know, and more, that you have to put second to, to make sure that you give yourself just a chance to be a good footballer. It's interesting that, Miles. I, I always think, Simon, people always say, what was the hardest? I think staying there, getting there yeah. isn't... It's almost like two journeys, isn't it? Of course, it? It is. you get the opportunity, you go and do it and you think, oh, well, that was not too bad. And you go down again. And can you get back up? Yeah. You just touched on it. It's, it. it's so intriguing. Then you listen to people who are hopefully kids and people who are inspiring to be a footballer, listen to this. And you've just touched on it there. Yep. It's not always getting there, it's staying there that is that. I mean, we've been, lucky. we've been lucky over the years, to say, and you see the pictures on the wall down in the academy. Correct, yeah. We've had a lot of kids who have come through and, and made that first team debut. I've been lucky enough to interview most of them. Yeah. And I always, we always have the conversation off camera. I said, that's the first journey done, isn't it, mate? Yeah. Now you've got to stay. And they always say, yeah, staying there is going to be tougher than, than getting there. And no getting one... there is like you're in the 1%, right, to Correct. get there. Correct. And also no one sees you coming when you're a young kid. You kind of come on the rails type of thing, you know, and you surprise people and you're not part of the opposition's team talk because nobody knows of you. And then when you get the shirt and you've played 20, 30 games at least, then people start to recognise you yeah. and they know your game. You're part of somebody else's team talk now and their, their plan. Um, so it becomes tougher. So you were capped by Wales. Didn't go quite to plan. You lost your debut 2-0, is yeah, that correct? But, How special though? Let's talk positive. You, you, you yeah, it. yeah. No, but the, the thing is with the, with the Wales thing, it's a, it's a real difficult one at the time. So probably could have gone to play for Wales a couple of years earlier than that. The manager was Bobby Gould at the time. Um, but there was a rule in Europe that if you were... Irish or Welsh, you were classed as foreign. So at the time, if you were English, you could be in the European squads. So I'd have a conversation with Mr. Ferguson uh, at the beginning of every season, well, two years previous to that, and it, it would go something like, you know, what the Welsh managers asked you to go, and because my dad, I'm not Welsh, but my dad is, and stuff like that. So, and he said, well, you go Welsh but then you're foreign. So if you don't go Wales, you'll be in the European squads this year. So I was like, well, that's, that's the answer to my question type of thing. So, <laughs> Typical, so, isn't it? That? Wow. And, and to be fair, wow. and, that, and that's what I'm saying about the, you know, when, when the people at, at the club at the time, if they said something, it was never in writing, but it was always true and they stuck to it. So I, was, I would be in all the European squads and I managed to play a couple of games. So, you know, that wasn't a terrible decision. No. You know, I, I kind of... But that, that's the way those conversations were going at the difficult, time. Though. Difficult, though. difficult. Yeah. yeah. And I think if I would have been born in Wales, maybe a slightly different different decision, I don't know. But anyway, that's... Uh, you make a decision at the time. I was 20, so you make a decision accordingly. And 
the manager could be quite persuasive. When well, he you might, you might not have scored that goal against Galatasaray. You might, you might that, not have been in the squad. That's it. I might not be sat here. So this, you know, you I might have been sat here exactly today if it went so. for that decision with you guys. So, so when you come to the end of, uh, end of your playing career, obviously we know you're the transition into into coaching. But yeah. I mean, I always ask players how difficult was it to to, to step out of the playing career because it's part of your life it's you know it's a huge chunk of your early life is dedicated to getting to where you've got to yeah when it comes you know it's a, it's a short career when you come to the end of the playing career what was it like for you uh, to be quite honest it wasn't as hard as what I thought it'd be because where I um, no disrespect to where I ended up playing and, and things like that but I had the same hunger as when to be a coach um, that I kind of did when I was a kid starting out with football. So I was very fortunate. And I think the hunger came with, you know, having a, a love for the coaching side of it, but also knowing that probably didn't achieve what I should have done as a, as a footballer. And, and suddenly you get a second, a second chance, if you like. And uh, I was just super hungry for it. And I can remember being at TNS in the, in the League of Wales and I got my, I was on the A licence course um, in Wales with the manager. And on the way back, I still had a year to run on my contract and we both kind of, you know, passed our A licence and got our badges. And I kind of just said to him in the car on the way back, that's, that's me done. And he said, well, you've got another year left. And I said, no, I said, I won't want any money. I said, so, you know, go and spend it on another player type of thing. I said, but I want to go and do my coaching. So, and that was a, it wasn't the hardest decision, but it was definitely the right decision because instead of coming to the end of my career and then thinking, well, what next? I kind of did that, started doing some... Um, Coaching, coaching at Wrexham at the time. Me and Darren Ferguson took the under 40s yeah, yeah. I can remember me and Daz. Uh, he was still captain of Wrexham at the time, and we, we did, we did, um, we did some coaching together as we were both just finishing our playing bits. And yeah, it was a, you know, as, as transitions go, it wasn't wasn't the hardest one for me. I've got to be honest. And then the opportunity came at Chester. Was that your first managerial yes, opportunity? Yes. So uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I went in there as a, a, there wasn't many staff as an assistant head of coaching at, at Chester in, in League Two. Um, but again, I just had a love for it. There was, there was also the reserve team that wasn't a paid job. And it was basically the lads on the bench um, and the best youth team players and kind of like, who wants to do the reserve team? And nobody put, put the hand up. So I said, oh, I'll, I'll drive that minibus to Carlisle type of thing, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and with those first teamers who didn't want to be there and all those experiences that you have when the, you know, you've got ex, you, sorry, the players on the fringe of the first team who don't want to be there, don't, don't want to try sometimes, and you get the good pros and the, and the indifferent ones, should we say. Um, but dealing with those, those problems, that I, I enjoyed that. I enjoy that, you know, everyone's at different parts of their career and, um, and, and there's different personalities. And I think the biggest thing, and, and you learn that from when I you know, left school at 16 into, into Manchester, and you just learn about people. And it's all about people for me. I know we're in the football world, but, it's all about culture and, and people, and if you can get that right, you've you've got a chance. And you also had your own experiences to fall back on, as a, as you'd had that playing career yourself, so you yeah. knew what these players were going through in, in but, many respects. But with that, and I've got to be really honest, is I've had times where I give it everything and then achieve some things, but I also had times where I'd, I didn't respect the opportunity I had, so I know what it's like to fail, which may, probably makes me a half decent coach just in experiences because. I've had my moment in the sun, but I've also been released a few times, and yeah. and you get all those experiences um, and disappointments as well as the as well as the highs, and because of that, it helps me to stay consistent, but also know that when players are doing well, 
not to kind of over egg that, but also know that, you know, lad, lads find it difficult at times and they, they reach certain peaks in their career and then they fall off it a little bit and you try and help them. So interesting. So, start of the United, Patrick Vieira comes along, gives you an opportunity. You're now on the blue side. Yes. Talk me through that experience. Um, well, to be fair, yeah, going from Man United to Man City, and I was, I was uh, officially at Man City nine and a half years, so I'm just about still Man United, I think. But, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I, to be fair, I didn't get as much stick as what I thought I might, because Brian Kidd had already made the, ah, yeah. made the thing, so I blamed it all on Kiddo yeah. and said, no, I'll go and speak to him, he's a bigger legend than me, so he can have it all, you know? Um, no, I, I think, with all due respect, I think I kind of very, very fortunate where... At Man United, you learn about the person thing, the standards. I'm not saying Man City didn't have standards and all that. Of course they do. But then I felt like, me personally, I felt like I learned the coach at Man City. Okay. The detail. The real detail, especially um, with Patrick. Um, I, did, I did the under-21s for five years, two and a half years with Patrick, um, two and a half years leading myself when he went to New York and then on to Nice. Um, and, of course... You know, there was good people you could always learn from. When I when I arrived, I wasn't really around it much then, so it was more the under-16s and that stuff and with, with Mancini. But then when I moved on to the 23s and that arena with Pellegrini and then, of course, um, Pep, you you obviously cannot fail to learn. How was it working with Pep? I know you were doing the 21s at the time, yeah. but did you have a lot of interaction with him? Um, we, we have interaction um, kind of like monthly, um, right. you know, more than... But you, you always give you time. You always give you time and then you have to exploit that time the best you can when you got it. So, but I think him and, and there was, you know, Cheeky there, who, I, who was kind of my line manager. Um, he, he spent a lot more time with Cheeky, to be quite honest, but he he knew his football inside out. Um, he just lived and loved football, you know. Um, and, and they just got a different level of work. It's a, it's a high, high level of work. The detail that goes into... Everything they do. Okay. Um, so that's why I feel like the personal bit was when I was the other side of Manchester and, and the Man City bit, I, um, I learned the, the detail. I learned the detail of from everything, from training methods, for when you build up from the back and, and press from the front. I know everything in between, you know, just, just everything. So if you blend that coaching with the, the, the people side, because I always think that I'd rather have a good person and an average practitioner than a top practitioner and, a, and an average person. And that's what I kind of we aim for. Now, if you can get both, yeah, that's yeah. The, yeah, yeah. your holy grail yeah. right yeah. there. But, uh, yeah, I would definitely go with the person bit and, and then try and get people with the detail on, on top and, and educate accordingly. Who were some of the players you were working with in a, at that level at City at the time? Um, well, um, well, Phil Foden was, oh. was there as the biggest one. Um, from about when I arrived, he was probably about under 13, 14, so through that journey. Um, so lads from, from homegrown, I suppose, because there was also two sides. So, um, yeah, Phil Foden, like a, a Tommy Doyle, yeah. Taylor Bellis. Um, McAteer, was he? McAteer, Cole Palmer. Wow. These types. Quite players. Uh, and then on top of that, where people come in, like you had like Brahim Diaz, Javairo Del Russen, Angelino, um, Eric Garcia. Um, those types so players that you'd bought as well as the ones that you'd ones who come through. So you had a bit of both. Yeah. People who are coming in and people who'd come. So they they would arrive, you know, at sixteen plus the other ones and roughly. Um yeah. Those, it must be so types. rewarding when you see like, like what Foden's done. Oh for my instance. god, Phil Foden, what a player. Uh, <laughs> I love Phil Foden. But do you know what I love Phil Foden when he first broke in? I think because he's 
he's homegrown and you get an opportunity at Manchester City, it's like here, Harry comes through our ranks. Yeah. You get them opportunities and it, it's so hard. It's easy to go and buy a player and bring them in and put them in a the first team. But when you, at 14, did you know Phil was going to be that good? Yeah, yeah. I think he's got, he, they always have talent. It was, you, you never, even with Phil though, you're never, you're never quite sure, but you, you know, you know they've got that top, well, especially with him, top, top talent, but there's always different areas that they could fall down on. You know, Phil, the only question you'd ever have around Phil at the time was, was maybe physical. Could he still keep going? You know, you know, it was pretty clear, but could he, you know, it's still a question mark over the physical. Could he still compete and, and live and not drown in that physical aspect of the game? And it was also important about whether we were going to send him on loan or not. You send him on loan to the wrong place and uh, the, the, you send him to a team that doesn't control the football. Well, how, you know, how beneficial is that going to be and how much influence he's going to have in a team that doesn't have the ball? Yeah. Because he's not the biggest yeah, and things yeah. like that, so he's got to be environments, you know. And you do that with every player, you know. What's the best environment for the, for them to thrive? And uh, they've made the right call. They they didn't put him on loan. They were they were patient. I remember at the time though, they got a bit of stick. Um, the manager got a lot of stick about, you know. I think Sancho at the time was was going out and getting games, and yeah. and suddenly the plan with Phil because he'd probably only played about three or four games, and and you know, and I know the the club would get a bit, you know, why aren't you sending yeah, Phil yeah. out? But they were patient with him and yeah. it's worked out all right. No, I, I was one of them, Simon. As someone in the pundit, you're looking, you're an older thinking, why is he not playing, go out? And you see the reason why. You've yeah. got to trust the coaches in the club yeah. that they know what, what's right. Yeah. And certainly for him, it has. Definitely, definitely. It was, a, it was the right plan. Six years at City, but then Vincent Company came calling, Simon. And yes. uh, over you went to, uh, to Anderlecht. How was that? That was, a, that was an experience for different reasons. I mean... Loved the time with 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 Vinny and uh, and all the staff. I mean, Craig Bellamy came out with us as well. At first, he was doing the 23s when we went over. Um, I came back because COVID came, and I'd gone um, on my own without the family. So I kind of worked them from an external. But the, the actual experience while I was there was was quite incredible. The the actual detail that Vinny works to, and you know the intensity. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's some sort of robot going on there because he, he just, I don't know when he sleeps. I don't want to sleep, but he, but he's, more than that, he's just, you know, I've been very fortunate, very, very fortunate to, to be around some key people. We talk, you've already talked about Patrick and obviously Mr. Ferguson and, 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 and the staff at Man City and just been very fortunate to be, a, be around these people. But there's one common denominator is that they're, they're very humble. They work harder than probably many other people in the business, um, you know. And they, and they and they put others first, and they've got and they've got a plan as well. They've got, they know what they want, and um, they don't come too far away from it, because that's how you recruit and that's how you work every day. So they're very not not stubborn, but passionate about what they do, and and, and just very clear, and that makes it easy for for everyone they work with, players and staff alike, you know. You were thrown into the deep end a little bit at Anderlecht because yeah. Vincent went as player coach yes. and then ended up playing probably a lot more than he maybe expected. So he had to step back a little bit with his. Yeah, and, and, and that and was. You were on the touchline. Yeah, that was all new experiences because um, you're doing press conferences and, and things like that. But doing press conferences when I actually, before I went to the press conference, I'd knock on the door with, with Vinny and say, what, you know, what are they going to ask me, mate? You know, and, <laughs> and uh, what, what do I need to know? Because Vinny was the boss, you yeah. know, yeah. and Vinny is always. On and off the field, he's the leader, right? So, um, yeah. So it was, it was never 
I was never the boss. He was always the boss, and, and, the, and I would say leader more than a boss because he—that's the way he is. Um, but that was a even even in training, you know, um, you know, I'm on the field and and Vinny's in the back line, and you, you're telling a coaching point, and then you're like, right, now we've done all the build up. We're going to do go into the midfield, and then Vinny will go, I want to see two more reps, and I'll go, right, guys, on the way back, all the way back. Now we'll do it again, and just all the things that you would not normally um, have to do as a coach. Yeah. It's just, but again, every experience was was fantastic. It wasn't a moment and that I didn't enjoy at Anderlecht. It was, it was, it was only kind of COVID got in the way, as it did for many people around the country. But um, um, with the family situation, it kind of um, it made it made it be a big decision. But the 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 staff and many of them are at Burnley now, and uh, just being around people like uh, Vincent and, and Bellamy and and people like that, we we had a great time. And then. You come to Spurs. I mean, yes. initially, Simon was head of methodology. I mean, what what did that role entail at the time? Yeah, well, basically, it's um, it's simple. Just make sure that every team under the first team um, that we train and play the same way or very similar. You know, in terms of we've got a, an aligned approach. Because if ever, you know, when you're recruiting players, if you know what a left winger looks like, you know what a right back looks like, and and so on. It's it's a uh, and it's more aligned now with the first team. How far down the levels does that go in terms of age? Well, my, my work especially is when it gets 11 v 11. Um, we're very fortunate here that we have a really good foundation phase, really um, high technical programme. Because at the end of the day, if you haven't got that high technical programme, you can't control the round thing, then you can't do anything else yeah. anyway. So, um, no, we have a really you know, good team of people, not just coaches, just... You know the people here at Tottenham. They've they've obviously had success uh, in the past. Many of them have been been here and, and seen players come through as well. So they've they've been able to have their story and, and see players come through. So um, no, we've got a high caliber of, of staff, um, but we we need to produce our own players. So that's um, we're, with Ange doing a great a great job in the first team, and um, we we've got to we've got to try and help him um, by. You know, doing what everybody at the club, the fans especially, want. You know, every club in the country wants to see one of their own again. You know, Sam, can I ask you a question? Because this is, this is probably going to be people who are listening or watching at home will say, right. So the way Ange plays, four-two-three-one, inverted full-backs. What happens at another football club if you have that methodolo methodology? Is that yeah. the right word? Yeah. So you look and go, we change the manager. What happens then if a, a new manager comes in and plays? We're going to play about five, for example. Yeah. Not this football club, just in general, people who are listening to this yeah, and going, yeah. well, you've come in and we've started down at under-11s, under-12s, and we're looking at first team, and that changes. Yeah. Then what happens? Well, the thing is, in my, in my opinion, it makes it easier to develop a player if everything goes all the way through. Right. Now, so, for example, firstly, to answer your question, you talk about any other football club. Other, other clubs, unless, what, Wenger and Ferguson who stay for long periods as a, yeah. as a first team manager. Most, we all know the stats of the, the lifespan of a yeah. first team manager. Yeah. Um, if you were to change it every time the manager changes, yeah. you're going to affect 250 odd foot, young footballers at a football club um, around the country. You would, you would be changing that philosophy, stroke methodology yeah. all the time. So what I would say only in my humble opinion is it's best to have one way of playing yeah. and, and keep to it because of the changes that can happen at the very top. Um, the second part to that is really, you know, if you've got a manager now, which we, we have, that the way our principles are about playing up from the back and the way we press, we're very aggressive. 
Um, that's all the way through. If we're going to develop a player, it's not easy to the first team, but it's always going to be difficult because we're aiming to be a Champions League team. So that's always going to be difficult, but it's not impossible. Um, to make it easier, if you all play the same way, it makes it slightly easier, although it's still difficult, but it makes it easier. He's certainly had playing the way Ange plays because he's a joy to watch. And then, hey, tough for the full-backs now. Yeah, yeah. They've got to be able to take the ball. I mean, Ange, what a job he's done since he's come in, eh? I think it's probably even underestimated what he's done. I mean, mm. I, we, I see it day-to-day -day in terms of, like, firstly, is he a top coach and a top manager? Yes. Um, but more importantly, I, I kind of see, you've asked me questions about, you know, Ferguson back in the day. You know, Ferguson changed the culture. And, and I do believe that Angie's doing exactly that. You know, he's, he, you know, he's got class about him. Um, that he's, he, he knows what he wants. You talk about that clarity of the way you want to play. It's not, it's not stubborn, but it's a, it's a huge belief in the way he wants to do something. And he's had success doing it in the past, but, you know, everyone's talking about the impact he's made. And, and that's probably external, and, and, and it, de it deserves that merit that it's, that it's received, that's for sure. Um, but internally, you see what an impact he's having around the club, and for me, that's probably more impressive, um, that he's just, he's got, everyone's raising the bar, and he has, has, has had that impact at the football club. We've seen um, Jamie Dunley, Alfie Dorrington, Iago Santiago, they've all been on the bench a lot of the academy lads go over and train with the first team. So I'm assuming that relationship between you and Ange, that's, that's got to be quite a... I mean, you spoke earlier about relationships. Maybe you spoke to Pep once a month. What's it, what's it like with Ange here? Yeah, with, with Ange, um, you know, we, speak, we spoke this morning. Um, we have a, roughly a bi-weekly meeting to have a thing. And, uh, um, but we speak in between, you know, ad hoc. And uh, obviously he's busy with all the first team stuff going on. He always gives you that time. And that's what I'm talking about, the class of the man. Um, and the impact he's had around the place. Um, yeah, we, it has to be a close relationship. Um, but, but my job as well is, is I've got to make sure that the, the players are good enough as well and they're, they're around it right now. But it, it is tough. And the reality is um, our, play, our young players have got to be better than what's in the first team. It's, it's, it's the same around the country. So there's no God-given right to get in our first team. Um, it's, it's a tough... Um, point to achieve in your in your career, but the manager I know for sure will give opportunity as and when the time's right. But it is that consistency of, you know, you've talked about the lads getting around the bench. Now part of that is because they've merited it. Part of that is because of the injuries. You know, there's there's always that factor that. Um, but they've got to do it consistently, and it doesn't just come because you've done it for a month. Does you, you know, more than anybody? You have to do it consistently just for the next 20 odd years, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's the level, that's the level. So um, the talent will take them where it's going to take them. But we have got some, uh, you know, top talent, in my opinion, in the academy coming through. Um, I always want more of it, you know, uh, I'll always want more and we'll always, I'll always be asking the question about, you know, just make it an even tougher environment for our young players coming through, get even more quality in there from outside um, because we're doing a good job in the, in the rules and the parameters that we work within, um, uh, as every Premier League academy does. Um, we're in the ballpark, we're in the right ballpark, but uh, I'll, I'll keep pushing. You can't underestimate the impact 
of a player coming through the system and, get, and getting in there. Someone like, say, Skippy, who's, who's now obviously been in there for five five years. Yeah. But just to, you know, just what that does for all the other kids to start with, because yeah. they can believe they can believe it's Absolutely. it's a journey they can take. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you can't underestimate the impact. It's it impacts everything. It, obviously, the fans, the fellow players, like you say, um, our recruiters. You know, they 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 go out um, and try and do their job, and they've got something to. To, folk, to say, look, we've, we've this, you know, we've, there's a there's a pathway. So, but I, but I, I mean, I can say I talk to him regularly. Like I can say is the manager believes in it. Um, he, but then my task is to make sure that the players are good enough because, um, of which I do believe we have we have some coming through who will be of the level. Yeah. Um, but still, it's just potential at the moment, and I've seen a lot of potential in the past. I was probably that potential that didn't make it. Um, I talked about Gillespie already, uh, you know, that high, high potential better than me. Um, still did well, went to Newcastle, but still didn't have the career. So, you know, all these journeys are different. Um, but we have definitely got some high potential in the academy and we'll see where their journey takes them, you know. Simon, we talked about how good it must be to do your job when it goes is going well and you see players develop into the first team. Just touch on how hard it can be when you have to release a player because for me as a human being, you talk about how, how you deal with players. You have to sit a child down there and say, look, we're going to have to release you. Just tell everyone how hard that must be. Yeah, I mean, because we talk about, um, you know, I don't go back on what I said. It's all about the people. And because you always look to get the, the good people in, unfortunately, the, those tough decisions are when the toughest decision and the toughest release I've always found is when you've got someone who's given everything but are just not of the level. And they're the tough ones because they can't give any more. He's slightly easier ones, although I'm not trying to... Uh, slightly easier ones of one, actually, when they've got the talent, but don't give everything yeah. and don't make all the sacrifices because you've, you know, you've tried to turn them during their journey, yeah. tried to make the penny drop, and it just doesn't happen. But those ones who give everything, that they're, the, they're the real tough, you know, because I've, I've got two boys on my own, you know, and, you know, you know we've all, we're all family kind of people and family-orientated, and... It, there's a job to do and people say, yeah, it's just a job, but it's actually tough. Yeah. It's actually tough. You can have sleepless nights because you've been on a, on a long journey with these kids and they've given everything and they've made the sacrifices and just... But we should be aiming, and we are, to be um, a Champions League team. Yeah. So to get in uh, to that level is such a portion and such a tough target to achieve, but we'll continue to do it. We need to talk about the, the, the teams this year. I mean, this season have been incredible. I mean, obviously, back in the last season, the 17s, 18s won two cup competitions. Yes. They've continued that form into the under-18 league. The under-21s, as we speak today, have won every single game they've played at their level this season. I mean, they've only, they've only lost in the EFL trophy. Mm -hmm. I mean, and so you're overseeing all this. You must be delighted with what's happening on the pitch. Yeah, but there's always the, the balance. There's always that bit where... Um, and I'm not trying to take away anything that anyone's done. I'm, I'm big into winning, I am, because... And people will always go against that. Is it development? Is it winning? For me, you've got to develop winners. It's the easier way to answer that question. Um, so it's, I like them to win. I want them to get up in the morning and think, I want to give everything to achieve today. Um, but sometimes it isn't, in the 21s, 18s, just about the winning. You know, they've got to present the right standards. Um, and the, and the right behaviours every day. Um, so I, I want to win, um, but 
I would not sacrifice any of the standards and behaviours for the sake of winning. Bottom line is getting them players through, isn't it? Absolutely. It's trying to get every player to reach that potential. And we have some, very few, but we have some. We have some that have the potential to our first team. And I say few because I'm not trying to say we haven't got talent, because we have, but this where we're going, where this football club should be going, is the very top. So to get a, a lad ready for Champions League football is, is a tough ask. But we have you know, a few in the building that I think can be around that. Um, and, but then also we have a duty of care as well to make sure lads fill, fulfil their potential to either be a value player for us, but not a first-team player, but also you know, that, that kind of third part, if you want to call it that, of fulfilling their potential and having a, a career in football. Because it's a, a great That's game. what you want to see, isn't it, right? Absolutely. If they're not going to make it here, you want them to be footballers. Absolutely. Don't you, right? So we, we just want to help them all. And I think that's a great point for everyone who's listened to this. Well, look, I started at Forest in the Championship and I was probably only one or two that went on to make it. So you've got to think, we're now a Champions League team that wanted to strive to be there. You've got to be a Phil Fawn, you've got to be a Harry Kane, you've got to be special. Yeah. But can we make players, maybe if it's not this football, can you make them have a career somewhere? Yep. Yeah. That, that's what you've got to, to I think that's, to uh, that's the, the onus on us and, and obviously the player themselves is can they you know squeeze every bit out of that potential as it stands now which is all it is to realize you know what they have what talent they have and and try and maximize it you know as academy director now and there'll be lots of families young kids watching you know watching listening to this podcast Simon you're in a perfect position what I mean what advice could you give kids who want to you know, take this journey on, what, what, what do they need to, to even walk through the door here as a, you know, say as an under 11 player? What, what, yeah. I, mean, it's, I mean, you're talking about small percentages here. I think that's important to say that, isn't it? Yeah, I think that, well, the, the facts are the facts and the, the data speaks for itself that very few players make it to the top. It's, it's tough. Um, so the first thing I would say, it's, it's got to be fun. It's got to be a safe environment. That's, that's the first thing when they come through our door, it's fun and safe. Um, yeah, they've got, they've got to enjoy the experiences because, they, I mean, this is fantastic, one of the world's best training grounds. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're providing a lot. So enjoy it, work hard, and just try and stay consistent. You know, when you play well, don't, don't you know, big yourself up too much and don't beat yourself up when you don't play as well. Just try and just get into that rhythm of, I'm going to work hard every day. I'm going to put my teammates first. I'm going to work hard and to, at my own game and uh, see where it takes you. And I know it's hard because you get carried away and everyone speaks about it and football's everywhere. You turn the TV on every night, football's a live game's on and uh, everyone talks football. So it's a wonderful living to be part of, but you know, I just, just enjoy it while you can because it, it does get tough and you, know, you, just, you just need to give it your best shot so that you can just see where your talent takes you. Simon? Thank you for taking time out for this busy schedule that you're in. No, thank to you. come and chat to us. But honestly, it's been an, from, it's for myself. Yeah. It's, it's an insight now yeah. the, the job you do. But probably more for people who are going to be listening and watching this. So thank you very much, Simon. Okay. But we're well, not letting you go just yet. Oh, what have we we've got? We've got now? a few questions. Only three. 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 Okay. I'm fascinated by this first one. Okay. What, what is your favourite piece of football memorabilia that you own? You know what? I've got one. Because I don't, in my, in my house, I, I, everything I have is up in a plastic box in the loft somewhere. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not one of those. I, love, I want my boys to live their own, their own things. Um, but I've got one picture of after a, uh, I got, after a goal, after the only goal <laughs> um, that I scored in the champ, Champions League uh, when I was 20. 
not the goal itself. I ran off to the corner at Stretford and um, Cantona jumped on me. Oh, and some, yeah. somebody took that picture and gave it to me. And I've, I've, I've got that. That would probably be... Did he not sign it? He hasn't, no. Oh, Eric, where are you? Eric yeah. the King. Eric the King. Eric. So he was my, um, my idol, as he is many people's idol. And I didn't actually know that had happened because you, you kind of score at the Stretford end and you kind of lose it a little bit. But um, somebody from the press gave it me about a week afterwards and said, so I've got that. That's and, lovely. That and that's, uh, I've cut that one. One little bit of life advice. Not doesn't have to be football. That's life a bit advice. deep now, this. Uh, <laughs> hey, we've got everything listening here, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, bit of advice would just be actually just to be yourself. Um, because in a football environment, you know, I've seen, I've had friends who've made debuts and they kind of change a bit. Um, or a new regime come in and they try to be something they're not. And then you get found out eventually anyway. So I'd say to be consistent and, and be yourself because, you know, the, whatever strengths and weaknesses you've got, you know, you, they are what they are. People will take you or leave you. Um, but just to be yourself, you can keep that up. Whereas being something different, just to trying to play a game, it, um, it'll find you out in the end. So I've probably gone up and down in my career, but that's what I would say is I've always just tried to be uh, this boring northern guy. <laughs> Not wrong with that. <laughs> OK, last, last one. In your opinion, as a football man and as a member of the Spurs family now for a couple of years, who is the greatest Spurs player of all time? I'm not allowed to say doors. I'm <laughs> hey, it'd get you out of a lot of trouble that when I tell you, because I don't know you're lying. <laughs> um, that's easy for me, Glen Oddle. Yeah. Glen Oddle from when I was growing up and obviously from up north and didn't really have any attachments to. First, I liked the all white kit. That was the first thing. I was that with that all Real Madrid watching those teams, type of thing. But um, Glen Oddle, because he had. Um, he just had style, he had class. And um, it didn't matter on all these dodgy pitches that they were playing on at the, during that era. And as much as people tried to kick him up in the air, he always kind of came out on top and probably played more the modern game back then than, than it was being played. He was just, uh, he, for me personally, he was just on a different level. So I would always, well, quite simply say uh, um, that. And I know people probably say Gascoigne just after that, but uh, for me, Glenn Oddle. Simon, once again, thank you, because I know you've got better things to be doing than chatting to us. <laughs> but all these people who are listening yeah. don't think that. So once again, thank you very no, much. No, no problem. Thank you very much for your time. Sports Social Podcast Network.